Welcome to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, Been There, Done That. To get free mentoring services, as well as to see the wide variety of resources available for small businesses, visit our website at www.score.org or call 1-800-634-0245. And now, here's your host, Dennis Zink. Fred Dunnier joins me in our studio as co-host, SCORE mentor, and audio engineer. Good morning. Good morning, Fred. Uh, Today is our second episode, Selling a Business, and our guest is Norm Silverstein. Good morning, Norm. Good morning. Norm Silverstein's primary expertise is assisting buyers and sellers of small to mid-sized businesses. Norm has owned his own business brokerage company for over 10 years and merged with another company in 2006. Having completed hundreds of business sales, Norm is experienced in mergers and acquisitions, business valuations, performing due diligence, determining real cash flow of a business, and everything that it takes to bring buyers and sellers to the closing table. Norm has been a SCORE-certified mentor since 2012, and we welcome Norm to Been There, Done That. Norm, many business owners choose to sell a business. Why, why might they do that? The major reason is retirement. Um, many owners uh, reach the point where they want to retire. They've had the business successfully for over many years, and uh, they just want to retire and play golf all day long. Uh, sometimes there are partnership disputes, so that could be another reason why an owner or owners would want to sell their business. Uh, sometimes there is a diminished interest in the business or just boredom after running a business for so many years, the owner decides that he just wants to sell and do something else or retire. Sometimes there's an illness or the owner dies and the family wants to sell the business. So that's another reason. And sometimes a company has reached a point where uh, it's beyond the capacity of the owner to continue funding to get to the next step. So there's various reasons why uh, an owner or owners want to sell their business. And most of these reasons are legitimate. I would think that if, if an owner got to the point where they really couldn't manage it anymore, uh, if they were astute enough, they could hire a professional manager to come in and fill the gaps that, that they didn't have to take it to the next level. Do you, do you see that happen sometimes? Well, they could, but it, again, taking it to the next level requires additional capital. And a manager or somebody who's been working in the business who's qualified to be a manager may not have that ability to take it to the next step. Uh, and again, again, a manager, uh, you have to pay that manager and you're going to make less money yourself. So there's advantages and, and mostly disadvantages of doing it that way. Okay, so I'm a business owner and uh, I'm at the point where I've, I absolutely have made up the decision uh, to sell my business. How would I prepare my business for sale? Well, number one, you must have good financial records. You must have tax returns. You must have profit and loss statements for each month of of the business that you've had, at least for the past three years. You um, You should have determined a purchase price in the back of your mind as to how what you want for the business. And most importantly, if you've been taking cash, you ha- you should be reporting or have reported all of the cash, so that you're not being you not won't be questioned by a buyer uh, to prove your cash inflows. 
So that's, that's very important. Again, I emphasize keeping good books and records that a prospective buyer can review. How would I establish a selling price? Well, again, establish a selling price, a lot of owners think that um, a, their business is worth a certain percentage of their gross sales, which is not basically true. If, if an owner truly wants to sell his business, he should consult with his accountant who has some ideas or some knowledge of how to price a business, even though you can get a hundred accountants in a room and you'll have a hundred different opinions, but the point is at least you'll have an idea. Uh, the, the best thing that I would recommend is to consult with an intermediary who is familiar with pricing a business and can help the owner establish a reasonable purchase price that would be acceptable to a buyer. That's, that's, that would be my, my ultimate suggestion. Okay. And what kind of um, prep, preparation should I do as a business owner uh, in the way of a prospectus for interested parties? What should I give to someone who's interested in, in taking a look? Well, I would prepare uh, a business presentation plan. And basically, it's like a business plan that a buyer would, who's looking for funding would prepare. Uh, it would have a summary of the business, where it's, how it started, where it's been, where it's going. Uh, I would have in that summary uh, a, uh, a, a profit and loss statements uh, showing, not, not a full profit and loss statement, but showing what the earnings have been, what the profits have been for the past several years, uh, where the business is heading in the future. Uh, it's something to hand to a prospective buyer or to a uh, business broker or business intermediary uh, who can prepare also a summary to give to prospective buyers, but to have something tangible that can be given other than just an oral representation of the business. Now, as a business owner, let's assume that I frequently went to restaurants, had an automobile that was either leased or purchased through the business. Um, Maybe my son at college was uh, filing things for me on the weekends or what have you. How does that uh, fit into my selling price? Is that Will I be able to uh, recast those numbers, uh, add them to the profitability, and uh, how does that work? Well, I think you could uh, if you're showing these expenses on your on your income taxes or your profit and loss statement, these are legitimate expenses, and a good business intermediary will take those numbers and add it to the profits of the company to determine what the total benefits are and use that number to determine and help the business seller determine the purchase price. What would some other add-back items be in addition to maybe car and travel and entertainment type expenses and restaurants? Well, interest expenses are always added back. Depreciation expenses are always added back. You mentioned cars. There could be uh, vacations where you're tying it into a seminar and you're taking your wife with you. Um, you can add that back and you can tell that. You can show that to a prospective buyer who uh, I think would be acceptable to accepting that as part of your total owner benefits. Um, well, going on a cruise sounds great with my wife, and I may not sell at all. Well, <laughs> that's true. Uh, again, there are advantages of owning your own business, but everybody who 
even buys an existing business or buys or starts their own business should always have an exit strategy. And the exit strategy, as I mentioned, is keeping good financial records. That will always help you in the long run. How do you find potential buyers? Not that difficult. Uh, you can advertise in newspapers with people. A lot of people used to do a lot of that. But again, once you put an ad out in the paper, you have to divulge who you are and where you are. And I had a situation uh, a few years ago where somebody was selling at a gas station here in town and put an ad in the New York Times and was getting phone calls from people who said they were calling from various other states. It turns out that the competitors across the street were the ones who calling. So doing that is, is, is a risk because you want to keep the confidentiality. Is, is there a risk itself of selling to a competitor? Because, um, I mean, a lot of times they're the best candidate to buy your business. Could be. But, again, you want to know who you're talking to before you even divulge any, any information. And what about employees? If you've posted an ad that you're selling your business, aren't you afraid that your employees will, will flee? Absolutely. And that confidentiality is extremely important. That's why I always encourage a prospective seller to use a business intermediary who will under oath, basically, sign a confidentiality statement, he will not divulge uh, any information that, that the business is being sold. Uh, some people will call a real estate agent thinking that the real estate agent could uh, sell their business. And it turns out real estate agents, put, you know, the first thing they do is put a sign out, business for sale or house for sale. You can't sell a business that way. Confidentiality is key. You do not want your employees to know that your business is being sold until you have a deal in your hands. Because if you do that, and another case where I saw somebody who uh, was a Century 21, they used to yellow jackets with a Century 21 sign, and he was sitting in a restaurant talking to the owner, and the chef walked out and quit. Uh, he knew his job was in jeopardy. So you can't, confidentiality is extremely important. The employees, you want to keep the employees because that's part of the asset you're selling. Well, you're really dating yourself with the Century 21, but moving along. <laughs> I would assume that you don't want the customers necessarily to know either, or the vendors. You don't want the suppliers to know. They get nervous. You don't want your, your vendors. Your customers certainly not. Uh, if customers know that you're selling the business, like a restaurant, they figure, well, they're going to get rid of all the old food, the old food and, and quit. Um, Confidentiality is, is the most important important thing you have to keep in the back of your mind when you're selling a business. The um, Oftentimes, business brokers, I think, have real estate licenses. I, I think they, they didn't know where to put that licensee, and they stuck it under real estate. Is that true? That's true, at least in this state. Uh, Florida is a licensed state, and half the states do require a real estate license for business brokers. Reason being that sometimes a business... Uh, that's being sold also has property. So in order to sell the property and the business, you have to have a real estate license. Uh, my company, I was a licensed business, I was a licensed real estate broker, even though I sold businesses, but many times there was there were property attached to the business, so in order to comply with the law, you have to have a real estate license. Some states are not licensed and anything goes, but again, Florida, fortunately, does require that. 
they didn't want to have separate licensing, even licensing, even though they were trying to they try to um, get the, the state uh, representatives and state senate to to do that. Uh, they just they didn't want to do that, so they put it under real estate. Uh, Norm, what's the best way to negotiate with a potential buyer? I think telling the truth. The buyer is going to ask him why he wants to sell the business, and I think you have to tell him the truth. Um, most business owners will do that. Uh, the best way to negotiate is to come up with a reasonable purchase price that you can support that would not chase a prospective seller, a prospective buyer away. You want to get that buyer close to you. And uh, presenting the business, showing the business properly, making sure the parking lot's clean, making sure that uh, the, the first impression is very important when you're negotiating with a, with a prospective buyer. Uh, again, working with a business intermediary uh, who will go through a whole list of things that you should be prepared to discuss with a prospective buyer once you have somebody who's serious in purchasing your business. What are some of the things that our listeners should know about if they were looking at uh, selling their business, um, if they get multiple offers, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you how do you balance do a balancing act there and, and get the best price and the best deal? Because it's possible that someone might offer you more money, but it may not be the best deal. Well, getting multiple offers is that that, that offers is that's a great problem to solve because uh, it doesn't always happen that way. But if you have multiple offers, then you, it's your job to vet the buyer and um, you want to feel comfortable with the buyer especially if you're going to offer financing you want to make sure that this buyer is is substantial at least qualified to buy your business from a financial standpoint so you want to make sure that even though he's going to ask you for information about your company you have the right to you know get a credit report on this person get a personal financial statement to make sure that this buyer is qualified to buy your business and then it's your choice to take the best offer, but just make sure that you're dealing with with a, with a uh, proper buyer, uh, somebody who's financially qualified to buy your business. Is it a good point to uh, to bring in your account or attorney at that point um, when you're at that stage or before? When, when do you bring your uh, professionals in? Well, I would bring my professionals in once I have a written offer on the table that I've reviewed as, as a seller. And then talk to my attorneys uh, to, to see, usually the seller, the buyer will prepare the purchase contract or offer to purchase. And then I would have my attorney look at it to make sure that I'm protected in that, in that document. How about non-compete clauses and how is that typically handled? Uh, non-compete uh, contract is always part of a purchase contract, always buyer will demand that the seller sign a non-compete statement um, because he doesn't want the seller after he sells the business to open the business across the street. So usually, uh, uh, depending on the business, if it's a gas station, you can't have a, a large geographical non-compete, but usually uh, a non-compete will run for anywhere from three to five years. Anything more than that, the courts will not enforce. And it depends on the business as far as the geographical restrictions on that. But a non-compete is always part of a purchase agreement. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I guess that means you can't sell your business and then try to hire your employees 
back for some other venture as well. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, no. And, and again, uh, if the business owner, which many times does some financing, um, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. Yeah. A dirty pool. Upon, upon an acceptance, let's say you know you're happy with the uh, with the uh, suitor. Um, you're happy with the offer. How do you structure the transaction? Well, the best way to structure it again is to uh, vet the buyer to make sure that he's financially qualified. The buyer will or, will make the offer, so it's your job to see that the offer meets your meets your standards, meets your requirements as far as the purchase price, as far as the down payment is concerned, as far as whatever whatever financing you're going to do. Uh, you want to make sure that, uh, and again, your your attorney, the seller's attorney, will provide a promissory note if, if, if the seller is going to do financing. And all of the assets of the business at that point in time um, will be protected in Tallahassee because until the promissory note is paid in full, uh, the assets still remain. They have a lien on them? Is that they'll have a lien. In ta- files in Tallahassee. So you, could, you could either sell stock or sell assets. What if you have an LLC? How does that work since it's same no thing stock? As, same thing as an asset corporation. Sell member units? Is that same, what it is? Same thing. Okay. And, um, you know, if you're not successful, let's say you attempt to sell your business, you're not successful, um, and then down the road you decide to sell at a later date. You know, how do you prepare for that? Well, uh, and this happens many times if the buyer, if the seller does not get an offer that's acceptable. Um, or uh, the seller decides or makes a decision, well, maybe I shouldn't sell, like he changes his mind. Um, the first thing you want to do is to make sure that you increase your sales as best you can on a year-to-year basis. Increase your sales. Remove yourself from the business. Don't make yourself that important where it would scare a buyer down the road. Uh, so how do you do that? Uh, you develop a strong management team. Uh, replace any family members that are in your business because that's what a buyer would have to do ultimately. Uh, so that's something you should do. I would sell off all of the unnecessary assets of the business and try to diversify your customer base. If you have one client like Walmart... Uh, and which is a great thing to have, but that's your only client. Uh, and should you lose that, you have no business. So diversifying your customer base is extremely important. And again, also develop a strong sales force if, if, if that's applicable for your for your business. So there are things you can do down the road where you can still successfully sell your business a year later or five years later, or whatever. It's part of your your exit strategy that every business owner should have at some point in time, like day one. Um, let's assume that your employees get wind that you're looking at selling your business, and, and they get together and they say, hey, we'd like to buy it. Would you sell it to us? How would you handle that? Well, that's that's great. If they can if they can do that, I think that's what's wonderful. Chances are they wouldn't have a lot of money to buy. Well, that, that's, that's always the problem. And, it, and if they do, that, that's fine. But usually uh, that that's not the case. And I've seen so many cases where somebody's interested in in buying the business who works for the business. I'm working with some clients right now who are in that situation, um, but they don't have the money to buy the business, and that that's tough. 
what other, uh, given that you've you've talked about uh, employees making offers, what kind of red flags or even yellow flags should you look at in terms of the potential buyers for your business? Well, um, there are tire kickers out there, if that's what you're referring to, people who just make a living on looking at businesses and, and never, never, never making an offer. So you have to be careful about that. You want to make sure that, and again, going through a business intermediary, a good business intermediary will screen out those tire kickers so that they will only bring you people who are sincerely interested and qualified to buy your business. Uh, doing it on your own could be very difficult because you really don't know very much about that person. The $35 credit check is probably not sufficient. <laughs> it's probably not sufficient, but it's part of the vetting process. Sure. Better than nothing. Um, in terms of different industries and, and multiples and in terms of the valuation of the business, um, do you put a lot of credence in that? I mean, it would seem to me that certain kinds of businesses get paid different multiples. So... For example, and I'll just make something up. A restaurant might get two to three times, whereas a publishing company might get three to four times. Again, I'm making those numbers up. So would you put a lot of weight credence in that or in terms of the industry? I would put some credence in it, yes, absolutely. Again, there's other variables. Again, it depends on uh, whatever those companies are. If they're a manufacturing company um, and they have a lot of equipment for sale, uh, you might want to get somebody to appraise the value of that equipment. Uh, if you're a retail business, you're not going to have any equipment. So it, it really depends on the business. Uh, you can use rules of thumbs for some of these industries, but there are um, resources to find out what these rules of thumbs are and what these multipliers are for various businesses. But it always goes back to uh, how profitable the business is, whether the numbers have been going up, whether they're flat, whether they're going down. So it's it's more of an art than a science. On, let's say uh, a public company is interested in in buying your business, um, what um, and they want to offer you stock or a percentage of stock, what kind of advice would you give to a seller in that instance? Well, I would certainly talk to my lawyer and accountant to, to, and, and have them vet the company that is interested in purchasing them. Uh, and again, they're going to go through the same due diligence, so you're going to go through the same due diligence to make sure that it's a good match. Uh, it, it's not, 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 very, not very different. I mean, there's public companies that are good companies and bad companies, and you've got you to go through that vetting process just like anything else. Well, thank you, Norm. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, Been There, Done That. The opinions of the hosts and guests are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of SCORE. If you would like to hear more podcasts, get a free mentor, view a transcript of this podcast, or would like more information about the services we provide, you can call SCORE at 800-634-0245 or visit our website at www.score.org. Again, that's 800-634-0245 or visit the website at www.score.org.